Good morning. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find wisdom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the third chapter of Colossians, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as God has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus the Christ, giving thanks to God through him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us join together in prayer. Loving God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and for the gift of your living word. We ask in these moments now that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Well, today's epistle lesson talks about being chosen. I happen to currently serve on the board of trustees at Austin Seminary here in town. We have seminarians and graduates, faculty and staff from Austin Seminary here at our church. It is a Presbyterian institution and a wonderful seminary. As a lifelong United Methodist myself, serving on this board, I can say that there are no shortage of jokes when it comes to being chosen. Inevitably, somebody will laugh and say to me, why, Teresa, you were predestined to be here. Theologian John Calvin's concept of predestination is centered in that belief that before the creation of the world, God chose some people to be saved the so-called elect. Now, I'm no expert on Calvinist theology, much less the concept of predestination, but the idea that some are chosen and some aren't isn't one I like. Through the years, I've come to know some Presbyterians who also wrestle with this concept. And as one of my friends says, who happens to be Presbyterian, she says, I just choose to believe that God chooses everyone. When I come to the scripture lesson for today, this is part of the reason that I cringe a little bit when I see the words as God's chosen ones, as if we the readers are the special ones. It doesn't sit well with my desire for inclusivity. I'm like my friend who wants to rewrite this part of the Bible and make it say, since, since God chose all of y'all, I keep reading and I don't know if you've caught this, but God has some pretty tall orders for us in this verse. 
Be kind, be loving, be compassionate, be forgiving, be humble, be gentle, be patient, be grateful. It seems like a lot to ask. Given all of these expectations, quite frankly, I'm not sure if I want to be chosen anymore. Wouldn't it be great if they were at least multiple choice? Like this week, God, I can do two of the eight. That's all I've got. It, seemed, it seems a lot to ask during a pandemic season, especially. And if you are not feeling it when it comes to things like being patient and gentle and forgiving, then you are not alone. Studies are telling us that stress and irritability are on the rise. And as it said in a recent article I read, everyone is recovering from a shared trauma, the pandemic a deeply divided country, decision fatigue about school and whether to gather or travel, it is a lot. With Thanksgiving on the horizon, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be thankful and to practice gratitude. Given any number of things going on in our world and in our country and perhaps even in our personal lives, it can be hard to feel thankful. My own mother instilled in us the importance of writing thank you notes. Stationery was a standard Christmas present because after all, we would have to write thank you note cards. Now that I have my own daughter, I'm trying to teach Claire the importance of writing thank you note cards. By her own admission, she doesn't always feel like it. No matter the cute note cards I get her to use or the fun pens that she can write with, it can be a struggle to get her to sit down and actually begin writing. As she explains it, there's just other things that she'd rather be doing. But here's the thing. Once she finally does sit down, Claire can get lost in the note writing. She draws elaborate pictures in and around the words. She takes way more time and way more energy than I expect her to. She starts out not feeling it as far as the note writing goes, but once she begins, it's as if the positive emotions are sparked. You know, there's actually science that backs this up. When we choose to express gratitude, the brain releases a surge of dopamine that causes us to experience pleasure. It also releases serotonin, which can help us feel more relaxed. A Harvard study researched people who were asked to write down things that they were grateful for. And they compared that sample of people with others who were not asked to write down things they were grateful for. It won't surprise you that people in the first group reported being happier or feeling happier and feeling more optimistic about life. I think it's worth ruminating on as the holidays approach. And it's worth thinking about as we consider what it means to be the church in the world today during this unprecedented season. What I am learning is that there is a difference between being thankful for and being thankful in and through challenging times. Our observation of Veterans Day is a great example of this very thing. For example, we don't give thanks for war, but in it and through it, we have at times found ourselves giving thanks when it comes to people who have qualities like courage or those who work for peace. And take Taryn Davis, for example. 
She was just 21 years old when her husband was killed while serving Iraq. She doesn't gloss over the grief and neither should we. But in working through her pain, in working through her grief journey, Taryn ended up creating a powerful nonprofit called the American Widow Project. It provides resources and support for people who find themselves experiencing a similar loss. She was, she was not thankful for all that happened, far from it. But in being honest about her pain and heartache, she discovered moments of gratitude in and through her grief journey. And take just a little over a week ago when in the news we, we heard about the newly christened United States Navy ships, one of them named after Harvey Milk. I was glad to see this. We know Harvey Milk as the first openly gay elected official in California. He was tragically assassinated at the age of 48 by a disgruntled and jealous colleague. He also happened to be a veteran he had served in the Navy for four years during the Korean War. But then, after four years of service, the U.S. Navy provided his family with documentation indicating that Harvey was discharged on a less than honorable status. Over 60 years later, the Navy christens a ship in Harvey Milt's name. It is in so many ways a story of progress, a story of choosing kindness and love. But such a choice does not mean dismissing or forgetting the pain or the past. When the Milk family was approached by the Navy years later after Harvey's death, saying that they were planning to reverse Harvey Milk's dishonorable discharge, the family decided against it. They wanted the reminder that not everyone was treated with honor. His nephew Stuart states, we have to prevent ourselves from going backwards. I think these are such good and challenging words, challenging words because to be honest, I'd at times like to go backwards, not backwards to a less enlightened time, but backwards to what seems to be the glory days in the church. You know, since arriving here over the summer as your new senior pastor, I have spent some time looking through the history here. And to be really frank, one of the things that can make me feel a little deflated is when I consider what worship looked like, what worship attendance looked like years ago. I see photographs of Reverend George Ricker preaching to a completely packed sanctuary. It looked like standing room only, people sitting close to each other and the balcony filled. Even if there was no pandemic, and even if there was no need for physical distancing, I imagine the pews won't ever be full in the same way as they were in the 70s. Now I can sit around and wallow in negative thoughts about how people just don't come to church like they used to and how I wish we could go back a few decades. But of course, the Church of Jesus Christ doesn't move back in time. Instead, the church, like everything else in the world, is changing and evolving, and God has chosen us to imagine what could be. This doesn't mean that we can't be sad about what we miss, 
But this season does call for us to be courageous and to embrace a spirit of openness and wonder. This does not mean that we give thanks for the pandemic, of course not. But it does mean that in it and through it, we can find new ways of being the church together. Think of the many ways that you have already done this as a congregation. Think about the wonderful Otter News, in Otter News updates that Pastor Heather and our communications director, Chad Jones, put together. Earlier this fall, those went out and they were heartwarming updates that lifted our spirits each week. And Pastor Heather always signed off by inviting us to make someone feel loved this week. Our campus ministry is using the courtyard outside in creative ways that have never been done before. Many of our adult Sunday school classes have not only survived, but thrived and grown during the pandemic. Just the other day, I heard from somebody who was upfront with me that they may not be making it back to worship regularly anytime soon but they do listen to my devotional podcast. Likewise, I've heard from a couple who are committed to attending their home room small groups or Sunday school classes, but they are honest that their family has just gotten into a new rhythm on the weekends and driving in for worship just isn't gonna happen with the same degree of regularity. The pandemic has changed so many things, including how people connect and perhaps don't connect with us as the church. How will we continue to be their community of faith anyway? How will we choose abundance over scarcity and hope over fear? In other words, what if we truly believed that God has already given us everything we need to fulfill the mission to which God is calling us today? These questions will be with us for some time. And while there are no clear, easy answers, I do believe that the way forward will be found in the way of love and patience and gratitude, in the ways of compassion and kindness. Colossians says that God has chosen us, but really God is asking us to do the choosing. Amen.